This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. Change gears. Let's talk to Wayne Goldsmith, now the international coaching expert. Good morning, Goldie. How are you guys? How are you going this morning? It's beautiful here. I'm sure it's just as wonderful in the West. It is. It's a delightful day over here. Expecting, what, 35, 36 degrees? It's going to be nice and warm and sunny and beautiful. It's a very unseasonable weather. I'm assuming assuming that's Fahrenheit. Uh, uh, (laughs) I'm, uh, I'm not looking forward to the weather being quite as good where I'm going. I head off next Tuesday for a five week. Speaking tour around England, Ireland, and Northern Ireland, and uh, Scotland, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it very much and finishing up with the tour in Wales. But I spoke to someone by Skype last night, and they said they went out for a brisk morning walk, in their words. And it was minus three up in Aberdeen where I'll be this time next week. So. Quite brisk. Yes. Well, that uh, sounds like a wonderful uh, endeavour nonetheless, despite the uh, the freezing cold weather. And uh, looking forward to hearing all about it when you get back, mate. But uh, in the meantime, let's talk about some of the things that are ongoing at the moment. And um, well, there's a few bits and pieces I want to talk to you about. One that I've been thinking about recently is the form of away teams and how coaches manage away games because we've seen kind of uh, from two of my favourite teams, polarising uh, results. Arsenal, they stink away from home. They're horrible. They lost to Everton, should have been more than 1-0, and they've been terrible away from home all season. But then you look at the Australian cricket team, who have just completed a clean sweep, I think, of India uh, a few weeks ago. You know, that, that's an historic victory. What was What's the difference, do you think, or what do coaches need to do to make sure that their teams are successful in away games? Well, it's, a, it's always an interesting issue. And, but if you look at English football and look at European football in general, that four-and-away influence in even in the betting markets and the expectations of win-loss is quite considerable. Mm. And, the, and the weighting that they have in European championships and UEFA Cup and so on is, is so heavy. And there's a lot of people believe in it. I think coaches have got to be very, very cautious. And I'll give you an example of that. Some coaches start at the beginning of the season with an expectation that they're going to win all their home games. And they, they talk to the players about a fortress mentality. Or they talk to the players about this is going to be our unbreakable home. No one will beat us at home. Home is where we've got strength and people will come here and be knocked back. Now, ostensibly, not a bad idea, but if they overplay their hand on that, as soon as the players leave their impenetrable fortress, what have they got to fall back on? Conversely, I think if coaches go the other way and say, well, no, we're going to then focus on the opposition or we're going to focus on something else and not be overly concerned at home, they can also overplay their hand there. Uh, the, the trick is that you've really got to teach them to be able to win anywhere, anytime, regardless of the situation. Can you coach winning? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's a, it's a great question, but it starts to me, Chris, is that, is that we, we, we overplay winning and losing a little bit too much and treat them as, uh, as almost as absolute. What, what do I do? And even when you're working with young athletes and working with very young athletes, 
is you can create what I call a competitive mindset. It's not about them beating someone else. It's not about saying, I'm going to teach you how to get out there and rip their arms off. And It's not about that. It starts very simply by getting them to ask the question of themselves, I wonder if, or I wonder what. So what I mean by that is, is if a kid's in a pool doing a swimming race in training, instead of saying, get there and win and beat this guy and doing the whole Laurie Lawrence thing, what I want kids to develop is a mindset of, I wonder if I kick my feet really fast. I wonder if that'll make me go quicker. I wonder if I only breathe every four or five strokes. I wonder if that'll make me go faster. And same with a football player. You've got a football player saying, I wonder if I grab the ball and accelerate for five metres. I wonder if that'll get me away from my opposition. So you train even very young athletes to develop what we call a growth mindset or a learning mindset where they're asking themselves, I wonder what would happen if, I wonder if I... So they're owning improvement and they're taking ownership over their own development. And that, to me, develops into a winning mindset because what the kids then doing is everything you do with them in the gym, in the games, in training, their brain is saying, yeah, but what if I did that? I could get better. What if I tried that? And so everything they do, they learn, they improve, and winning comes as a consequence of that. In the moment, at the moment, we've got all these, uh, well, MARO and you know, the penalties and that for, for different sort of uh, actions. Are the penalties and sanctions in sport fair, are they, you know, um, for foul play and violence? And, the, and then how do you sort of communicate that with the kids? Yeah, that is a, that's a tough one, Wayne, always, isn't there? Because as we all know, there's many, many perspectives to crime and punishment. There's the, just the straight fairness, the, the fairness and the evenness of the playing field to make sure that everyone's being treated the same, playing by the same rules, and that's an internal thing. There's the public expectation of certain types of behaviour. There's the public relations and marketing side of the sport that, that will put standards on and put pressures on in different areas to wipe out particular types of behaviour. Certainly the AFL's been unbelievably effective in stamping out racism and promoting anti-bullying messages and and some of the work they've been doing has been exemplary because they've set their own standards and expectations and societal expectations and standards very high and then rules, sanctions, policies and, of course, penalties flow on from that. I think that the, 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 the standard in, in all legal circumstances is what they say is reasonableness. You know, is it reasonable that one player comes up behind another player while their back's turned and absolutely flattens them. Well, no, that's unacceptable in any form of life, in the pub, walking down the street, schoolyard, anywhere that's unacceptable. Well, if it's unacceptable, then, of course, the sport's got to take a hard line. Is it unacceptable for the two players standing face-to-face, doing something they love and getting a little bit physical by pushing? Well, you know, you'd have to argue it's probably not as bad as some other things, but, as you know, if they get letters and emails and the fans jump up and down, and the media commentate that it's unacceptable when, of course, the sport normally reacts and jumps on that behaviour as well. How can parents and you know in the in the lower with the kids? How can you can how can you guide them? Very old-fashioned on this, and I'm sure you guys will agree. Uh, old-fashioned sportsmanship, sports personship is things like before the game. If you're you're in a, a situation where you're 
player on player or behind the block, shake hands with your opposition. Don't be afraid to say hello. If you get beaten, go up and say hello to the winner and congratulate them on their great success. Be aware of being fair. Always go up and say hello and thank you to the referee and the touch judges and the umpires and all the officials. If you get a chance, even go and say hello and thank you to the opposition coach for the opposition. Build this mindset about fairness and that sport is about character and friendships and the experience and learning and parents can foster that. So if parents are on the sideline just yelling, win, 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 kick, 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 goal, 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 that's their mindset, then kids are starting to overplay and, and overemphasis is placed on that aspect of sport. If the parents are saying, did you go up and shake hands with the referee and the umpire? Did you go over and say thank you to the opposition coach? Did you go and thank your own coach? Did you say congratulations to the opposition player who got on top of you today? Did you just realise and respect the great environment you're in? And that starts to become part of who they are. It flows through them when they go out and play sport. Less focused on winning and losing an outcome, more focused on the wonderful experience of sport. Just one, a final one. Um, there's a, at the beginning of the season, you, you, you're a side that's you know, you're, you're positive, you know you're going to play well, and then suddenly after three games, you're in all sorts of trouble through injury, and, and we talk about Melbourne and Richmond, and how does a coach cope with that? What, what, how... <laughs> much does he change his philosophy or, or what are the things that you would be focusing on? Oh, that's a, it, it is a challenge, isn't it? And I noticed that I live on the, the Gold Coast, as you guys know, and we've got the Gold Coast Titans who are zero and four, and they're only a little way away from us. And you just see already in the newspapers, time for the coach to go, they've got to change the players, they need to change their tactics, change their play style. And, and they've been putting those things in place since the end of September, early October last year. So to show any fear and to show dramatic change from the coach's perspective, the players look at that and think, well, hang on, this guy's been telling us since October to believe in ourselves, to stick with our system, to believe in our game plan. Our game plan is going to be effective. He's been telling us that for six months. Now, four weeks in, he's saying, no, maybe we've got it all wrong and we've got to radically change. What I tend to suggest, Wayne, is that they look at maybe one aspect of play and systematically change that, look at it and evaluate it. Don't panic. Don't show any fear. And certainly the language is around confidence, belief, early season, building, sticking to their game plan, believing in the things they've put in place since October, sticking to those things. If, if they make radical change, the fear goes through the club, the senior players start to doubt and start to sense that there's a lack of belief everywhere and everything can unfold from there. And we've seen teams that have lost three, four, five earlier in the season. I think Swans are the best recent example from mm. only a year or two ago. We've seen teams lose three, four, five, six at the beginning of the season and still come out and be a major force in competition. Conversely, we've also seen teams, I think, in the NRL last year from memory, St George Dragons might have won the first five or six and then weren't there at the end when the whips were cracking. So keep a sense of balance, perspective, stay true to the things you've believed in for six months and don't panic. International coaching expert Wayne Goldsmith joining us this morning. Before we let you go, Wayne, a couple uh, coming here. Boston from Balladura says, uh, can you ask Wayne about Dunny's golfing funk? How can you play crap shots and then hole out from 100 metres on the same hole? 
So Wayne told a story earlier this morning on uh, what was a par four? Did you say par three? Yeah, par four. Par four. He's uh, hit three absolute stinkers and then nailed the hole from 100 metres out. There's a great line from the very famous golfer Clint Eastwood, who said, "A man's got to know his limitations." And I think that's what happens in golf. Remember Greg Norman doing a talk once, and he said, the problem with golfers is that they play one great shot and they believe forever shall it be. And Petit said about the social golfers, he said, they get out, they've been waiting for it all week, they absolutely smack it down the middle and miles further, yards further than they thought they could possibly do it. And they go, right, today's the day, today's the game, today's the round and they try to play the wrong club, the wrong shot from there on in. And I'd say that happens with pros as well. I'd say that they get to a point where they go, I'm going to hit this hard, I'm going to use the wrong club, I'm going to do that because today's my day, and they keep making dumb mistakes. Whereas the good golfers have got a very clear process, a very simple system. You keep talking to them about going back to basics, keeping simplicity in their swing, simplifying the process, clarifying what they do, and they get consistency from that. Where they start to panic a little bit and do things they know they're not really capable of, you get inconsistency. I think you just described Wayne Clark to a T. <laughs> <laughs> Move on. Wayne, thank you very much, mate. Uh, you're heading off to the UK for a few weeks. Uh, are you going to be um, joining professional clubs and speaking to them? Is it more grassroots? Is it a mixture? What are you doing? Yeah, a bit of a mixture. I'm doing some uh, swimming clinics here and there, but I've got a great day with Irish rugby, doing some work with them. Uh, the thing I'm probably looking most to is uh, May the 12th, I'm a guest of the FA at the final game at Old Trafford for the year between Manchester United and Cardiff, and although I just can't wait to be there and part of the occasion, I've been told wear red or nothing at all because huh. anything else might be, might be looking for a problem. And then on the 13th of May, I've been asked to do some work with the FA Elite Junior Academy just out of Birmingham. I mean, that'll be fascinating, guys, just to see how football at that level deals with elite junior development, talent identification, mm. coach development. I'm fascinated to see how they go about it with ostensibly an unlimited talent pool from around the world available to them and vast resources. I'll be fascinated to see what systems and methods they've come up to to develop players and coaches. Yeah, really looking forward to uh, hearing all about that and seeing the, the differences between the two nations when you get back, mate. Uh, enjoy it. Sounds like it's going to be an awesome time. And, yeah, look forward to chatting in a few weeks. Wonderful, wonderful. i send you a postcard. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Wayne Goldsmith joining us this morning on Sports Breakfast, the international coaching expert. If you missed any of that, you can catch the interview on uh, sportfm.com.au. Click interview podcast. Get on his website. Yep. He's got some terrific books. Yeah. If well, you're uh, a coach or you're dealing with young kids. That's right. Ideal. We will link it on our uh, on our Twitter, his website. It's uh, it's great. And you can catch all his videos up there. Who yep. He goes through and does these amazing speeches, uh, which is obviously what he's doing when he heads over to the UK. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com.